Oh, God, we are in desperate need of this calm assurance that what you are doing is best. So, God, we ask you to make this passage explode in our hearts. And, God, may we experience the grace and mercy and peace of God, powerful peace that passes all understanding, whatever that is. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you're in Philippians 4. You have your notes opened, and we can begin with the definition of peace again. It won't take long to review, but I do want to tell you the definition of peace as we are understanding it. It is to be a calm assurance that what God is doing is best. The first word I want you to notice in that definition is calm. I don't know if you experienced a calm a moment ago. But I'm going to tell you something. If you didn't, I'm telling you there's nothing like it. When God comes over you and you know you have nothing to fear, that you are sinking deep, not into a pit called hell, but you're seeking deep into the loving arms and grace of God. That calm. What is a calm? Let me tell you what it isn't. It's not stressful. It's not stressed. It's the opposite of what stress is. Stress is what so many of us brought into this building. Stress is what so many of us are carrying on a daily basis. It's what, it's what causes Walgreens to have 30 medications alone to take for anxiety. Stress is what some even church people now define as a glass of wine before I go to sleep. I've got to have it, preacher. You don't understand what I'm going through. It passes your understanding. They don't say it like that. But just to use this verse, preacher, I need this. I need that. I do exercise. I do all of these things. And I'm not saying in and of themselves, even a medication or an exercise is, is wrong in and of itself. But these are the things that we answer the question, what do you do for stress? Very few of us give a spiritual answer. Most of us give medication. Some say wine, which is sad to me. This is where we're at. So much stress. Calm, not stress. Number two, assurance. Assurance meaning confidence. It is a a, a calm confidence. It is a trust that is born of experience. It is, I know God is in control because I've seen him work in my life. This is not the first time God is working in my life. I know what he has brought me through. I'm confident that God can do it again and again and again and again and again until he finally takes me to a place called heaven where there is no more of this sin and sadness and sorrow. I'm confident, preacher. That's why we we can say he is, we have a blessed hope. That is the assurance, the the, the confidence of knowing that Jesus is coming soon. And then, 
that what God is doing is best. The word best is an interesting word because it is not easiest. It's not easiest. Listen, there is no life like the Christian life. I mean, listen, Christianity is the best life, isn't it? But it's not the easiest life. So so many of us are confused because we thought it would be easy. We thought, man, pray this prayer, I'll go to church, and, and it's going to be great. It's no problems. You've got it all wrong. God loves us too much. And I love the fact that God loves us so much that he holds out for the best. Not the easiest, but the best. I'm glad that God does that. It's not always easy. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes there's trials, there's tribulations, there's heartache. Yes, but God says, it's all for your good. It's, gonna, it, it's because I love you and I have what's best for you in mind. The calm assurance that what God is doing is not easiest, but best. And so we look to a verse of scripture in John 14, 27, where Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. So how do we, how do we get this peace? Jesus said he's going to leave it for us. He's going to give it to us. Well, the first thing we need to establish is that it's not the world's peace, not as the world giveth. You see, the world has a false peace. The world has something it calls peace, but it overpromises and it always underdelivers. It gives and then it demands back. It says it gives and then it doesn't. The world gives some sort of a false peace that says, drink this, take this, experience this, and, and, and then for a moment we, 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 we feel better, but then we have to go back for more of this false peace. It never satisfies. And then we become addicts. Isn't that right? then all of a sudden we're depending on this substance to give us this calm and it doesn't do it. So we go to something else and something else and something else and something else. And all of a sudden we find ourselves reeling in a world of of sin and sadness and sorrow and, and sickness. And God says, I don't give that kind of peace. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so we go to Philippians chapter 4 now, and we take just a moment to once again, I mean, when I say a moment, I mean just a moment to review these these contaminants, these things that prevent peace. We talked about them, remember? In verse 2 and 3, we said you got to remove conflict. We saw these two ladies in the church, and their names are given in the passage of Scripture as being women in the church, Christians who are not getting along. They're fighting and arguing over something that the Bible says isn't even worthy to mention. It's so silly. It's so small. It's so ridiculous that these people are not getting along. So Paul says, get this straight, ladies. Let, look. And then he calls upon the church to help them to get it straight. Hey, listen, call them in. Talk to them. Go between them. Get it together because there's conflict that's preventing peace. And I, God says, I love unity. Behold how beautiful and how pleasant it is to dwell together in unity. And then Paul went on to give us a second contaminant, and that's remove negativity. 
you got to remove negativity. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 4, right? Again, I say rejoice. Butch alluded to it a moment ago as he said he studied further this week about joy and the joy that Jesus gives. Even though he faced the cross for us, he was willing to do it, to despise all of that for us. He had joy in doing it. He was glad to do it. He, was, he said, listen, don't, don't worry about me. I'm, I'm glad to do this for you. Even though they're, they're crucifying me, they're crown of thorns, they're piercing my side, they're cursing me, they're spitting in my face. It's okay. Really, it's okay. I'm good with it. Because you're going to get to go to heaven. And we're like, where does that peace come from? How do you get slandered and criticized and crucified and say, it's okay? We shake our heads and wonder. It's because we've got to learn what it means to rejoice always. And to do that, we must, re- we must reject negativity in our lives. Too many negative things, negative people, people who are always looking for something to criticize and not seeing the big picture, which is the grace of God and salvation in heaven. And what happened to Jeff this morning? And then next, we talked about thirdly, that we've got to reject unreasonableness. In verse 5, we discussed what that means, and we talked about how that in these days, because the Lord is at hand, we've got to watch our spirits and our attitudes and how we come across and, and what we, we make a big deal out of. And are we gentle and gracious, or are we unreasonable and cantankerous and always having to be right? Like it or lump it, my way or the highway type of a person and a Christian and a preacher and etc. Reject that. And then... Finally and fourthly, we come to verses 6 and 7. And we together as a church are absolutely amazed at this. We find this is so amazing because there is a fourth contaminant to remove. It is the last contaminant, but it is the most important contaminant to remove. It is the one that we've got to get rid of because this holds the answer to this powerful peace. And so in verse 6, it says this, Be careful for nothing. But the word I want to use this morning that is a a clearer word to understand in in the English language today, and that is the word anxious, because that's what it means. Be anxious for nothing. So Jesus says here, first of all, there's six things I want to show you here in this passage of Scripture that I want to teach you to have a powerful peace. And the first thing is a contaminant called anxiety and worry. I, I don't want you to be anxious about anything. So we try to define what it means to be anxious, and it simply means this. The definition of it would be a dividing care. Something that divides, it's like a double-minded man, right? A double-minded man, the scripture says, is unstable in all of his ways. You you, you just can't be double-minded. You can't be half in and half out. You you can't, you know, well, honey, you know, I I come home some nights, you know, it's just some nights I like to party, and it's not going to work in our marriage. Caroline's not going to accept that double-mindedness. And anxiety is a dividing care. It is something that fights against the moment. It is that person who came into church this morning 
to enjoy the service, but really you've only heard about half of what I've said. And, and, and you, the, the music was sort of deafening because it, it, just, it just wasn't there. The words, you didn't look up. You, you had other things on your mind. You had a concern, a worry, a fear. You tried to have some folks over this week at your house to fellowship with. But you know, as much as you tried to prepare the meal and cook, so many other things were going on that when they finally left, you're like, I wish they would have never come. It's just, it's pulling always. You're trying to enjoy the church service. You're trying to enjoy uh, your family. You're trying to enjoy your job. But so many things are worrying you and so much anxiety and stress. It's, it's the dividing care. And yet Jesus says, be anxious for nothing. And we all say together to Jesus, are you serious? I mean, really? Nothing? Absolutely nothing? I mean, there's a reason why there's 30 medications at Walgreens today. There's a reason why, Jesus. I mean, there's 30 that I, that I can get. There's a reason why, Jesus, uh, we're, we're, we're in a rehab, right? There's a reason. We've got, we got issues. We've got things going on. There's a reason why pastors are, the, they say, it's the most miserable profession on planet Earth. Pastors are depressed and taking more medication and dropping out of the ministry. It's down to 1.8%. One year, eight months that the average pastor now is able to stay at one church. He has to move on. It's just too much stress to deal with people. You just can't please them, so you just go on to the next one. Because you've got to have a paycheck, right? That's, that's my profession. It's my world. It's true. It's, it's, it's where we're living. So we, we look and we say, for nothing? Worry about nothing? You see, the decision to be anxious is the decision to give up my peace. The decision to be anxious is the decision to give up my trust in God. And so there's a moment called right now. Right now, is this, this is the moment we're living in. I'm not living in yesterday, and I'm not living in tomorrow. And I'm not living at, in 1 o'clock today. I'm living in 1137. I'm living in a moment where I can hear my brother sing, and, and I, can, I can allow that song to captivate my heart. And, and, and I can say, God, thank you. I needed that. I know why he sang that. It was for me. There's a lot of people in this building, but God, it was for me, wasn't it? And I know that Kelsey has a heart for, for that mission field. And God, what do you want me to do? I'm not worried about my bills right now. I'm worried about how I can go without a Starbucks this week to help somebody get to the mission field, God. I'll give up a Happy Meal at McDonald's, God. I mean, I heard everything she said. This is amazing, God. That country's going to be gone in 2050. And today I can have a part in helping. Wow! And you're like, that's what you got out of that preacher? Yeah, I got a lot out of it, didn't I? I'm living in the moment. I'm not going to allow the stress and the worry and the fear and Monday morning and all of the problems and issues and the roast in the oven. I'm not going to allow that to mess up my moment that God has me living in right now. That wants me to experience his peace and his rest. Be anxious for nothing. Let's do this. Let's look at number two. But... In everything. Now, that's an interesting thought. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. Not a lot of wiggle room there. You agree? What's in between nothing and everything? I mean, it's, it's pretty tight. God, God's not leaving us a whole lot of room to say, 
uh, God, but what about? No, nothing. But you want me to be thankful in, in everything. Nothing in everything, huh? So I don't get to, I don't. All right, well, let's just, let's just name a few things this morning that we're a little anxious about. Let's be honest. Without getting out of control, speak to me. I'll give the first one. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Just money. Is that right? Are we anxious sometimes about money? Let's be honest. Don't look at me like, you know, you've got a big savings account and you double tithe every Sunday. Come on. Anybody ever get anxious about money? All right, what about, uh, what else? What? Health. Thank you. That's, I got that written down. Health concerns. We get anxious about health concerns. What else are we anxious about? Work, job, exactly. That kind of ties in with money, doesn't it? Because, man, we're wondering, I need a job, or am I going to keep this job? Or they're cutting 10 people tomorrow. I wonder if I'm going to be one of those 10, and then what am I going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do then. Anybody else? Family problems. Is that what you said? Family issues. Family, maybe a wayward child or a marriage that's just not stable. What about weddings? <laughs> Let me tell you something about weddings. They are the most anxious events on planet Earth. I do a lot of weddings. I'm going to do four this month, okay? I don't go to rehearsals. You say, why? Too much fighting. Too much arguing. Too many people late. Too, many, too, too much. I, I just say, look, I know what to do. I've done a million of these things. I'll be there tomorrow. Show me where to stand. Tell me when the specials are. I got this. Because you people do not get along at these rehearsals. <laughs> Anxious. And then what about, what about a uh, pregnancy? My daughter-in-law is great with child right now. <laughs> Rebecca just told me she's expecting Amen, Rebecca. Let's give Jesus a big hand there. Amen. That's good. We got like five or six ladies. We just had, you know, one, one child that was, that was born here, Brianna, just, uh, and, and James. And I think there's five or six other ladies. That's great. Bridget just got two boys in her, adopted two boys. Praise God for that. Amazing. God's bringing kids. But let me tell you something. There's anxiety with new children with a pregnancy. Why do you think we get 17,000 ultrasounds? I've never seen anything like it. I've got to get an ultrasound. I've got to figure this thing out. I've got, I got, I got to know. I've got to know. i got to know. What did they do 100 years ago? It's like we're all worried about knowing every single thing. You know why we're worried? Anxiety. I just, I just, well, what about God? Well, God made ultrasounds. And look, keep getting ultrasounds, but let's not, let's be careful that it's, it's, it's not, what that ultrasound says that determines our peace. Amen? I'm going to tell you something. If we would have got an ultrasound and they would have said our child was going to have the disease she has, we would not have had an abortion, okay? We'd have let Glorianne be born just the way she is. You say, well, of course you would, preacher, and yet so many don't do that. That's why they get it checked out. And then the doctor says, do you really want to have this child? Do you realize how hard this is going to be? Anxious, anxiety, be anxious for nothing but in everything. Number three, by prayer. Now, in your notes, you got to go back to put this one. I, I, I didn't do this right. I, re- I reversed this little note here. But, but fill in this blank right here, and that is this. There is nothing too little or silly to pray about. 
There's nothing too little or silly to pray about. But in everything, by prayer, everything, we're going we're gonna to pray. Now, stay with me for just a moment because we're going to talk about this prayer. We're not talking about thoughtless prayers. I'm going to say this. I'm preaching, so I'm trying to help us all really come to grips with how we pray. Thoughtless prayers. Thoughtless prayers to me are prayers we don't think about who we're praying to. We just get it out. We're quick. We throw the words out. It's, you know, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, one's the fastest, gets the most, you know. It's a repetitive prayer. It's our Father, child in heaven, hallowed be the name of the kingdom come, they will be done on earth as in heaven, give us their daily bread. You know, we know it. I, the rosary, thoughtless, just 60 times, hold the bead, right on, right on down. Thoughtless prayers or quickie prayers, you know, just quickies. Just, just, just a, you know, uh, what's that song, um, whisper a prayer, you know, just, just a quick whisper. Now, I'm not criticizing a whispered prayer, but listen to me closely. That's not going to get it. That's not going to get us off the medication. That's not going to get us out of trouble. This quickie prayer, this repetitive prayer, this, this prayer that's ritualistic. We've got to learn how to pray a biblical prayer. And so what I did was I took several things without using scripture, just things that I know are there because of all the times I've preached on prayer but yet not practiced it myself. So the first thing I wrote down about this prayer is it's by myself. It's by myself. I mean, it, it, listen, this is a prayer that I am going to pray in my closet. I'm going to get somewhere, and I've got to get a hold of God. So it's by myself. Secondly, I'm going to kneel down. Man, I've got a problem. I've got anxiety. I've got worry. I've got something that is pressing in my life. I'm going to get by myself. I'm going to kneel down, and I'm going to out loud, out loud. You see, Scripture talks about kneeling down. The altar call is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with coming down and kneeling and then out loud. Hey, the Bible speaks of crying out to God all the time. Read it all the time. Cry out to God. So I'm going to get by myself. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going I'm to cry out loud with a list. I can't remember everything. Sometimes I just, so I'm going to get a list and I'm going to write things down. I'm going to write that list out. I'm going to say, God, this is what I need. And I'm going to make a prayer list. And then finally, I'm going to pray fervently. Fervent prayer. And let me tell you something about this prayer. Listen to me closely. You spend time, five or ten minutes, praying this type of prayer, and a river of peace will come over your anxiety. I promise you that. If When's the last time you prayed ten minutes out loud, by yourself, kneeling down, fervently, ten minutes over what you're concerned about? I promise you, if you haven't done it in a while, when you get up... You're sinking deep in his mercy. You just feel like, God, okay, I gave it to you. Thank you, Jesus. We need to pray. We need to pray about things that we're not praying about. You see, the, the enemy of your peace is anxiety, and praying defeats anxiety and brings peace. Praying does. That's what the scripture says. It doesn't say um, that, that be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By wine, or medicine, or exercise. It doesn't say that. It says by prayer. Why does it say by prayer? Why does God say the remedy for anxiety is prayer? By yourself, kneeling down, out loud, with the list, fervent prayer. That defeats the enemy of worry. That's what God says. Everything by prayer. And supplication. 
What is supplication? Well, it's a lot like prayer, but there's another emphasis here, if you will. Supplication is defined uh, as this. It is, it is a request of the person praying. It is something that I am going to pray. And then furthermore, it is a prayer that is, is begging. It is pleading. There is a, a, a humble surrender, if you will. This is not a, a little whispered prayer. Uh, the supplication is not a little repetitive prayer. Uh, supplication is not just, you know, saying uh, frivolous words. No, supplication is I am personally crying out to God myself with personal request unto God. And I'm begging him to hear me. And it is also a humble prayer. I realize I can't do this by myself. I can't. I've got to have his help. Supplication. And then it's interesting, it goes on to give us something else. It's almost as if God is saying, okay, you know, you're sitting at the the prayer table, right? Have you ever done this? Last night, I had dinner with my son, Joe, and, uh, you know, I, I, I got the plate in front of me, and then guess what I did? Pass the pepper. And pass the salt. And he could have some ketchup, Right? Got to doctor this thing up. Looks good. But I mean, I want this thing to work. I want this thing to be worth it, man. I got to put a little, I want to get some stuff involved in this meal. And God says, that's what our prayer life is. It's, it's, we need a little Thanksgiving. Can you pass the Thanksgiving? God says, I'm not just talking about a, a little prayer. I'm talking about a prayer about everything, a supplication prayer, a crying out prayer, and then a prayer that includes Thanksgiving. You see, I'm convinced this is one of the biggest problems of the church today because Scripture teaches us in Romans 1 that in the end times, one of the evidences of the, 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 the world falling apart and Jesus coming again is ingratitude amongst God's people. We're just not thankful. We are so spoiled as Christians. We sit in padded pews in air-conditioned buildings. We've got all the amenities of life. We leave here and get full till we actually can't stay awake anymore on Sunday afternoon, which is all cool. We fall asleep to the ball game. 